It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame, no more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are super lucky to be joined by our friend Agnes Ajipong, who is the creator and founder <laughs> of the Glow Mama Awards, which we, oh, we're so thrilled to have been nominated in a few times and, um, and to win a couple this year. So welcome, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honoured to be <laughs> on your platform, so thank you for having me no it's lovely to have you I, I tell you when we um I mean obviously we've known you for a few years now but you put up a post recently about hosting a lecture at um a university all to do with black maternal health inequalities throughout the world and we were like right get her on we need to talk about this stuff so tell us a little bit about like what what you do for work and and how you came to, to deliver that lecture. Do you know what? It's so hard for me to actually say what I do. So now I just describe myself as a social impact entrepreneur. Because That sounds impressive. Um, you know, when you're like an accountant, <laughs> I, like I know that's the new, that's the new term because it's like, otherwise I just look like, I don't know, somebody that's got like a hundred different jobs, you know, with Glow Mama, Global Black Maternal Health, speaking engagements and so forth. But I will kind of give a bit of a prefix so as you all know with glow mama that's like my baby and i started it four weeks after giving birth to my youngest child it was just meant to be a bit of a a bit of a plaything at the time just on my phone breastfeeding mm. two o'clock in the morning it gave me something to to do something that was fun um i put out my posts and you know we've now just celebrated our fifth annual glow mama awards right but during that time of my pregnancy with my third child, um, particularly during my mm. labour, I experienced care that was just woefully inadequate. Um, I wasn't being listened to when I was in labour. I was left in triage. And it was just a really awful um, and scary experience. And when I eventually gave birth, which actually was not that long after arriving into hospital, I was like, right. If I was a first time mum and this had happened to me and I was being sent away and just being spoken to mm. and treated in the way that I was, God knows what would have happened to me or my baby. You know, I would have probably ended up giving birth in the taxi if that. And I refused to leave the hospital until I spoke to whoever was in charge because I knew, you know, I have three children. There's no way I'm going home to write a whole report yeah. about what's just happened to me and yeah. I can't even articulate it you know and so do you know what just I just that, felt that the complaints procedure sorry yeah. just on that I was going to say I think that is the case for so many and myself included there in, ter in terms of our community you can have the most appalling treatment people can say the most invalidating things but you're so broken and you're grieving to such a level that it's not what you want to think about it's not even what, vaguely what you want to kind of do and by the time you have gotten out or gotten through that first really really dark dark yeah. time then you kind of think just well, thankful that you're out of it, it aren't you? i don't want to go back there i don't want to re-trigger myself by mm. writing endless points which makes you worry like how how often this happens and exactly and i think that what you've just said there is the crux of it because how do you articulate in plain english exactly what's happened because it's never just 
I went to the receptionist and the receptionist turned me away. That's very simple to write. You can write that quickly, bing, bang, bosh. Yeah. Send that out in an email and off you go. There's usually so many layers <laughs> that occur. Um, and I think that's the hard mm. part. It's articulating that in a readable fashion. Um, you probably need to write it and then edit it and then go over again. And then, oh, I forgot when this happened mm. and that happened. And all these different parts put together, right, is what makes your story. And I think currently with the challenges that do happen um, in maternity, and I want to add, you know, it's not not all women that go into our services are going to experience a bad service, irrespective of your background, race, you know, socioeconomic status. But for those that do, the challenging part of being able to articulate that in the current format um, in a mm. report format, because literally that is what it is. I feel like that is so disparaging. Mm. And for me, being a mum of three at the time, I was like, there's no way I'm leaving this hospital with the yeah. idea that I'm having to now go and articulate what happened to me because there were so many different layers. It's like, yeah. you could you could have done a Netflix series over the 24 hours that I experienced, you know, and break it down piece by piece. And like you say, it's not always like particular incidents that happen, is it? It can be the way that you're made to feel, the way that you're spoken to, the way that you're looked at, all of those sorts of things, which are difficult right. to like pinpoint. Exactly. And, and and it compounds because a lot of it is like, am I being gaslit? Is it true? Is this happening to me? It makes you second question yourself. And then obviously you're in a vulnerable state to top it off. I always say it's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you don't really want to kick up too much of a fuss until your food's in front of you, just in case they're spitting it <laughs> totally. at the back. So oh, sometimes yeah, 100%. you don't want to. So sometimes you kind of know, hold on a minute, is this actually happening to me? Are they actually doing this? Mm. Is, is, is mm. this occurring? But then you don't really want to complain because yeah. you're not over the crux of the reason that you're there for whatever reason that is. And so you're kind of juggling those two parts. I think also people, we've spoken to so many women who have not complained because they, having lost a baby, they, they want to go on and have another baby. You know, they're already thinking about the future. They're already thinking right. about that. And they, what, they have to, or they want to go to that, back to that same hospital. So they don't want to kick up a fuss about their experience, their negative experience now in case it impacts on their experiences in the future. Like I've spoken to so many women and I'm, that's mental. Like that should not be a thing at all should it it's mental it's mental and it also says a lot about the current system yeah you know yeah. and how yeah. we can perfect that um and 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 make the system better because really it should be a system where we're all able to feed in our experiences to perfect the system you know for the betterment yeah. of all you know women and their families and if you're feeling that you can't because now it's going to be used against you and it says a lot about a lot about the current, you know, system and areas mm. of, of, of for, for improvement. Um, and in my case, I was like, I need to speak to somebody. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a speaker. I'm a, I, I like to verbal, no. verbalize. Yeah, I'm sure your your <laughs> listeners. I'm sure your listeners are like, I would never have guessed <laughs> that. But you know, I I need to be able to verbalize and feel like somebody actually cares as opposed to writing this yeah. on a on a kind of white sheet document yeah and not being able to see the person reading it you you want you, not being able you to need see that the feedback person and not don't explain you explain the context yeah because remember you're 
you know, it's so hard to be able to recite something that's happened to you, mm. right? Mm. I may be able to advocate, Bex or Laura, for yourself in your situation. But when I'm now talking about what happens to me, you know, it's I'm so emotionally yeah. Yeah. connected and I'm so close to the grain that it's hard to even remember all those nuances and all those little fibres that, that happened. And so speaking to someone and being able to have that voice to be able to you know, explain and articulate, it means that I'm able to, you know, I'm able to get it all out and feel safe. And that's what happened. And I, I met this lady um, who was the matron at the time. She was a mother of five. Um, and she was, a, you know, from, from, the, from East London, um, her kind of roots. And she just made me feel so at ease. It was like speaking to someone from EastEnders. I can't describe it. Um, but she made me feel so at ease. She took my notes. She said, don't worry about it. I'm going to sort it. She followed up with emails. So did you ask to speak to her? I, this is a really funny and, well, I shouldn't say funny because actually it's shocking, um, but interesting part because what had happened was I'd asked to speak to somebody. I didn't know that there was even something called a matron, right? So mm. I'd asked to speak to somebody and from, I gave birth at, let's say, I can't remember if it was, I think two in the morning. And from the moment the first person came to kind of see me at like six, I said, I need to speak to someone. And every other person I said, I need to speak to someone and nobody was coming. And eventually at 4.30, because they were trying to dismiss me now and say, look, I could leave. And I said, no, I don't want to leave. I went manually to now go in go door to door to see if I could find somebody. Bearing in mind, I've just given birth to my you. third child. So, the con, you know, your, your stomach is really contracting. I was in so much pain. I thought there was even another baby that was about to come out because the more babies you have, you know, that kind of your, your womb contracting afterwards, is, is, it, can be quite, um, it can be quite intense. And so I walked from Terrific. room to room and eventually... I found someone called the matron and she said nobody had come to her all day. She was about to leave. She, she finished at five. So she came over and she was appalled that nobody had come to her. She didn't know nothing was going on. So basically I was being fobbed off, you know, and hmm. after five o'clock she would have gone and she'd been around all day from nine to five. So I she, wonder, were they um, worried about getting in trouble or something? Worried about getting in trouble or the other maybe staff didn't want to get their other colleagues in trouble. You know, there was a whole mm. kind of, because I didn't, the, the, the women when I was in labor who really caused me stress um, and, and trauma, um, they scattered, you know, because, you know, they were telling me I wasn't dilated. They were saying I wasn't in labor at all. I should go home. They gave me, you know, three, four sweets. They were so rude. Um, and I gave birth like an hour later, you know, <laughs> or two. So, it really, so obviously they had to disappear because the way that they had dismissed me and literally left me to my own devices. And then now there I am as a baby, they, they, they left. And so I think the other women now postnatally didn't want to get their colleagues into trouble. So this horrendous treatment you got, we're, obviously we're here to talk, the, talk about the disparity in, in black maternal health. And I was just wondering, your horrendous situation, the treatment, do you believe that that was that do you think that that was because that you were black well yeah, yes but i feel like the, the 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 question is so multifaceted and so mm -hmm. um there's so many layers to it because for me when i talk about black maternal health it's not a black and white issue in terms of a white staff mm -hmm. is just going to treat a black woman like this and vice versa we're talking about a structural issue right um and what that means is that 
a black midwife or an, an, another midwife from another um, ethnicity can also be a proponent of that system. Mm. And I, I'll put it in another way. It's like feminism, yeah, or um, women's rights. You know, you would have women back in the day that would be like, oh, goodness, you know, oh, look at that lady. She's not a lady. She's not a woman. Even though yeah. other the suffragettes were campaigning for the equal rights of women, it was women that would often be the gatekeepers of that, right? Um, and so it's it's the same when we're talking about structural inequalities. You know, mm-hmm. you actually have even people from the community themselves the system, yeah. who can be proponents of that because it's the education, it's the system that teaches that white is best and, and, and the darker that you get on the hue. So you don't have to treat everybody um even if you are black yourself, you don't have to treat everyone um, in an equitable manner. This person you can get away with treating like this and this person you can get away with treating like that. Um, and I think when, you know, not I think, the work I do with Global Black Maternal Health is about that, is about, yes, there is, it, it's not just as simple as, I think if we start only looking at, um, you know, I don't want to just say maternal health inequalities, but just health inequalities just from the lens of black, and white, and that's all that you're going to do. So you're only going to train mm-hmm. white people to be able to look after black people. We're going down yeah. a very, um, a very slippery slope. We need to. It's a system trained that everybody needs to be a part of that change. Everyone needs to be a part of the conditioning, you know, or the reconditioning, and everyone needs to be a part of that conversation together. Um, of course, uh, you know black people in general understand these issues more because if you've been living with, with with these issues and these challenges you understand the nuances but still there are biases that still exist within that um and i say that to say that you know you'll speak to a lot of black women that will say you know yes i experienced this care from a white woman or yes i experienced this care from a black woman they when women talk about the care that they've received mm. and, and the disparities it's not necessarily just as simple as black and white and I think mm. that we have to, you know, it, 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 it's a real complicated, um, yeah. actually, it's not even complicated, it's structural inequalities. That is what structural inequalities are, it's the structures. We see it in America all the time when you see police officers um, or um, or different professionals who happen to be from the same ethnic makeup from another group yeah. and they're still perpetuating the system that they've been indoctrinated into, right? Mm. So that is the same within within the healthcare system. And I do believe that the care that I, I received um, was definitely because they felt that they could get away with it and they felt they could get away with it because of my skin colour, but also not just that. You know, when you're um, oftentimes as a black woman, you're felt that you have to really put yourself together anytime you step up in a place. You can't just put yourself in a messy barn or, or whatever that is because you're judged, right? And you have to um, really present yourself and speak in a certain way, you know, put your best foot forward mm. so that when anyone sees you, they're like, oh, okay, it's like respectability politics <laughs> and, and there's a perception of who you are. When you're in labour, yeah, <laughs> like me, especially with a third child, I'm rocking up with the old nighty that's about to go in the bin, <laughs> you know, the head tie, you know, the drawers are like literally the size of freaking the moon. Like I'm rocking up like that. So then you have the lens of, okay, blackness, but then it's the perception of, oh, well, this woman isn't, you know, she must not come from yeah. 
this type of background or she wouldn't care what kind of treatment she would receive because of the perception of how I also am appearing in, 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 in that sense. So there can be so many layers um, and nuances that fit into that. They definitely didn't think that I would use my voice and, um, and campaign and speak up the way that I did. I still remember their names. I mean, if they... If they did, they wouldn't have acted that way. They wouldn't have, but they really genuinely thought they could get away with it. Really, really did. I mean, just the fact that they thought that they could get away with not highlighting your concerns to anyone. Not yeah. highlighting my concerns, you know, just just leaving me there, leaving me there. I, I had a panic attack, you know. Um, I'd wanted to have a, a water birth at that time, but they left it so long until the, literally I was panicking. Um, and my babe, I remember they put the baby on me and they said, oh, the water's ready now, you can go inside. And, um, you know, I that was because by the time they realised that I'm in established labour, I literally had half an hour to go. Like, literally the baby was there. Um, and so my choice about the kind of birth, mm. the kind of labour that I wanted to have, my experience was completely taken away from me. And so I think, you know, when we're looking at black maternal health inequalities, you know, when we're looking at that kind of work, there's a whole system change mm-hmm. in terms of how we're educating all medical professionals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Even things like, I don't know if you saw it um, on Twitter, it was trending not that long ago, and there were these illustrations of um, black fetuses. And I, I was actually shocked that I'd never seen mm-hmm. Um, illustrations done on black bodies around you know what a what a baby looks like because you know you're so conditioned to yeah. to seeing certain images in certain ways yeah and and that shocked me because yeah. I wasn't aware of what I didn't know until I was now presented with something different right and so I think it's a whole system change um that everyone needs to go through um in order to bring in equity and I, and I think you know you've touched on like baby loss as well and 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 so forth and I think it, you know this all feeds into that wider system change and I always like to say you know if you look at those that are receiving the worst outcomes and you 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 find interventions mm-hmm. for that, that group you're not yeah. just helping that group the better care infiltrates across the whole system you know, when um, I think it was like 10, 15 years ago, I'm, I'm kind of telling my age now, I remember that all the shops had to undergo, all the retail shops had to undergo this kind of massive um, restructuring mm. to ensure that their aisles were wide enough for wheelchair users to go down. And it was all in the news and there was this, this whole debate and, you know, some businesses were like, you know, we don't have enough space for that, it's too costly and so forth. Um, but actually, when you made the aisles wider for wheelchair users, you made them, they were accessible yeah. for families, they were accessible, you know, so many other people benefit from that one action that was designed for wheelchair users, but now has a ripple effect towards the wider community. And I thought that is where we need to get at when we're doing good care for, yeah. I, I don't want to say specific groups, but good care is good care, shouldn't matter your race, your background, you know, it doesn't matter where, where you're from. Um, it doesn't matter at what stage of your pregnancy you're at. Good care should be good care. And when you go with that philosophy, the whole system changes for the better. So, the warriorship. We wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's 
packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month. In the coming months, we have got body positivity workshop, gratitude workshop, and loads, loads, loads more. And on top of that, we also have a resident mental health specialist. And on top of that, if if that wasn't enough, there's 13 events every month. And there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organising that you can be a part of. So it really is thriving. And all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too. We'd love to see you there. When you say about the um, like the water birth and the delay and everything like that, and there'll be women everywhere that have had an experience like that, but the statistics, with when, when we talk about baby loss for black women, the statistics don't lie. Like there's... It, they are shocking statistics, and we know that you are um, yeah. good mates with the the five times more girls and um thankfully we were so pleased they got the honorary award at the glow mama awards this year but they've done such fantastic work they did you know um they've supported glow mama every single year first year second year third year fourth year and fifth year and i was like you know five times more fifth year um like you know let's give them their flowers because Mm -hmm. the work that they have done and that they continue to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you saw the video, you saw the VT, but that didn't even scratch upon the surface of so, how they work tirelessly day in and, and day out. And I'm so proud of not just what they've achieved, but what they're going to achieve. Yeah. But um, for anyone who's listening who who hasn't heard of these girls, um, they're called five times more because when they started this up, women, black women were five times more likely to die in childbirth in, in comparison to a white woman um and but it's not five times more anymore is it because of all of the work and the campaigning that they've been doing it's something like 3.6 which is still shocking still too much um but it's a massive improvement all thanks to them really it's a massive improvement and, yeah. it, and it shows what happens when awareness is raised um because you feel that you can best advocate for yourself. At that time, when I went through my experience, I didn't know about any of these disparities. I didn't know, but I had the confidence to go out there and advocate and not leave until I kind of Mm. got the answers that I needed to get. But I know that is very rare, you know, that is very rare for women in general. Um, And then when you then look at it through an ethnicity lens, it's even more rare because you're usually put through that lens of being an angry black woman and, you know, all that comes with that trope. Um, So oftentimes it makes you self-silence because, you know, you're thinking, oh, if I say this or if I say that, they're going to put me into that stereotypical box of being an angry black woman. So I better not say that, even if it's to our detriment. So, so many black women um, don't feel confident to speak up purely because of that stereotype. And so just seeing the work that Five Times More are doing in terms of the education and, and in terms of, you know, yeah, giving this is not black acceptable. women that space to yeah. know you are able, you are allowed to do this, you know, these are your rights. It's not acceptable um, and you can speak up. And then equally, 
you know, the system change of speaking to professionals and educating professionals so that they know how to speak to women um, in a way that is more empathetic and allows space for yeah, those conversations to happen. Legends. I, I just think it's so, it's so inspiring. And what can we do, Agnes? Because obviously, as a white woman, like, it's, I, I find it really difficult because obviously, and this is so like what we talk about so much within our community as well. I'm worried about offending people by saying the wrong things. And because I am a white woman who has no idea of the suffering that a black woman has been through or could go through, you know, because, because it's systemic, this problem, and because of all the things that you've just so articulate, so cleverly articulated. Like, what can I do to help this problem in my own way as a, as a white woman? But I think it's what you're doing right now. It's about, you know, sharing space, creating, you know, the space and the opportunity for women to share their stories, to speak up. Um, there's a new initiative yeah. um, that has come out. I believe it's in Black May. Baby Loss Awareness um, Week yeah. um, that have come out by, by, by two ladies um, who are really kind of, you know, kind of taking taking the issue of baby loss, um, but shining a particular light on the black community because it's not something typically that is, is spoken about as much in in the UK. So things like that, like sharing that space, uh, giving women the opportunity to be able to speak yeah. their truth um, and and share their stories. That to me is even part of the healing process because there's one thing, Definitely. you know, experiencing trauma, and then there's another thing being silenced. You know, um, mm. and the the impact that that silence has for me, like look at what's happened with that one experience in the hospital, because I was able to speak to this lady and the lady that was my knight in Shining was a white lady <laughs> from East London. Um, she's got five, six kids. She's, you know, from like, she's like an East, I, I love, like, I've actually gone on to do other things with her. Um, for example, at, at, yeah. um, at St. Thomas hospital. It's that um, simple, isn't it? What did she do? Mm. She listened. She looked mm. at me in the eye. She said, what can I do to help you? She treated me like a human. She didn't treat me like a black woman. She didn't treat me like a white woman. She treated me like a human being. And from that, the care that I received, which was awful, I left that hospital yeah. feeling empowered and feeling listened to all within 24 hours, right? That's all she did. She didn't treat me as anything other or, or anything less. She just treated me as a, as a human. She didn't know something. She asked for more clarity. Um, just treated me as a human. And I think it, it, it's, it's that, isn't it? It's, if you're treated with the respect, if you're treated in a way that somebody's biases are left at the door and it's like, okay, yeah. what's the issue here? How can I help you? What would you like to see happen? You know, mm. how can we support you? If they could, if they could, if she couldn't help me on a certain part, she was very clear to be like, you know what, within my remit, I, I'm not able to do this, but this is what I can do. But that mm. is what she did. And I will tell you that for me, I left that space, like what that did for me. And I, and that is the message I'd want to give to, to all women out there. It's not something as, you don't have to feel like, okay, now this is happening to black women and, you know, I need to go and I need to do the most, right? If that's mm. not what you can do. Sometimes it's as simple as just creating a safe space for mm. a woman to feel like she can talk and not having to, censor what she says there's so many times that i feel empowered to be able to talk about these issues about black maternal health but so many women in your space mm -hmm. and Laura, as nice as you are they yeah. won't want to say this for fear of offending you of the trauma that they've experienced as being a black woman and so oftentimes that makes 
you know, that compounds the trauma because you don't feel safe in that space. Mm. You will show up and you will kind of put your mask on as a black woman and, oh yeah, you know, do the little giggle and, and so forth so that you can fit in, but you dare not talk about, you know, any kind of trauma that you've experienced and link it to race for fear that, you know, they're going to see you as some sort of, oh, look at her just making excuses. And, you know, we see all the comments in like the Daily yeah. Girl and on Twitter and, you know, this is just another woke person yeah. and, and so forth. Oh. But as you said, Laura, the stats don't lie. We're not, we're not saying this because yeah. of, of um, you know, we, this is what we feel. There's data and evidence that is linked to the very things that I'm talking about. And so the more we talk about these topics, the easier it becomes, right? Definitely. I think it's so important to to meet people where they are as well. And it sounds like that's what your EastEnders lady did for you, is that she wasn't she wasn't trying to tell you where you should be or where you could be or where other people are when they've been through your experience. She was just coming to meet you exactly where you are to talk about you and what you needed as an individual. And I think that's so important. We talk about it all the time, like to treat everyone as an individual, regardless of your background and race and the way you identify, you know, to meet you where you are with the feelings that you have is so, so important mm. in the first building blocks of recovery. That's, that, that's the word, recovery. She, mm -hmm. What she did for me in the half an hour or so yeah. before I left the hospital put me on the path to recovery. And her putting me on the path to recovery, what did that do? Four weeks later, what did I create? The Glow Mama Awards, you know? A year or so later, Global Black Maternal Health, you know, which is now going strong. Like, look at what recovery can do. Now, if that recovery had been delayed by two or three years, yeah. I may not have started some of these um, initiatives for two or three years, or I may not have started them at all, you know? Mm. Um, but recovery and being on the road to recovery and having the support within whatever trauma it is that you're going through is so important. And that is what she did for me. I, am I allowed to um, sh shout her name out? <laughs> She'll probably like yes, be well. mortified. Um, but yes, Sally, it was Sally. She was a matron um, at St. Thomas Hospital. Well done, Sally. <laughs> Go on, Sally. She'll be mortified, but <laughs> hello, Sally. No, Sally is, um, she is amazing. And if ever you're at St. Thomas, like she, you know, it's just like, somebody who's just warming up, like, let's say like your friend's grandma, your friend's nan, just, yeah. you know, just get someone who just gets you a nice warm cup of tea and just, you know, what, what's going on today? Talk to me. Like yeah. that, it's that kind of feeling. Um, and it's empathetic care. She, she put me on the road to recovery. And, and since then yeah. I feel like via Glow Mama and via all the other initiatives, it's had a ripple effect. And it's like, now I'm paying that forward to all the other women out there. Oh, I'm glad Sally was so, so wonderful because, um, like you say, you never know. You've gone on to do some amazing things since then. Good old Sal. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sally. <laughs> it's amazing what you say about but sort of paying it forward and how, even like I heard this thing about when you smile at someone in the street or on a run or something, often they smile back and then they smile at someone else and then they smile at someone else, you know, that sort of ripple effect. And it's, there's, there's no difference in that and the structural problems yeah. that you're talking about. All it is, is learned behavior. And if we can learn this behavior, then we can unlearn it as right. well. And just put in from, you know, forward, going forward now with future generations, put in better practices because there's no excuse for it now, is there? This, we're in 2023, you know, we're looking there's at all different sorts of things. We've got to, we've got to yeah. keep going with this to make everything equal. 
everything equal um, and equitable as well. And mm-hmm, I think, yeah. but, you know, there's another part that um, we want to talk about as well and is also about the staff. So when we're looking at the kind of frontline staff in general, especially in urban areas like London, you know, most of the staff do come from minoritized communities, right? Um, and so often the argument can be, well, actually, you know, you've got, and I hate this word, but I'm just saying it for the sake of it, you've got the BAME, and I'm putting some inverted commas so that I don't get dragged by any <laughs> black people that are listening in. So I put BAME in inverted commas, who are also um, treating other BAME in inverted commas um, patients. So, you know, what on earth is going on here? But also there's a, the other part that there's been so many reports that have come out from the NHS of staff from minoritized communities who feel completely disenfranchised, who are experiencing Mm -hmm. racism and inequalities at work, right? So they already feel discriminated at work. And then once they're feeling discriminated and feeling less than, then they're coming out onto the floor to come and treat patients. So you can already Mm. see how it would be very easy for those staff who feel disenfranchised, who feel that, you know, they're experiencing racism and, you know, all these other different challenges when they come out and they see others that look like them. It's like, you know, the saying, what's it called? Dad, is it dad hits my mum? Never heard that, chart, but chart, yeah, go with it. Horrible, that kind of, <laughs> I don't know, uh, that chart. Um, yeah. I've probably said it in the completely wrong way. And if I have, but it's that thing of like, if you're already being downtrodden, Right. And then you'll put out, as you said, with a smile, that's positivity that you pay forward. But the same can be said also for negativity, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you've got staff who are having or or who are experiencing negative treatment and then they're coming out onto the shop floor, the gaming in the comments, and they're treating patients, that's also going to impact care. And then strategically, if you're looking at that, it might be like, well, actually, I, I feel really, you know, disenfranchised at work and so forth I don't really need to give this patient that much care because again just like how I'm silenced at work they're going to be silenced to be able to complain and and so forth so it's a whole kind of piece around how patients are treated but also how staff are treated and how they're made to feel in their workplaces so that when they come Mm. out just like what you said Bex they're coming out with a smile yeah and there's a ripple effect that's been happening throughout these hospitals Mm. And I think that so much of that is, you know, we need to plow, we need to plow money and resources into into uh, mental health, into in in order to get people's well being at a level where they can be more resilient to external stimulus, that sort of thing, yeah. in order to be able to f- fulfill their jobs and their all that. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Because I think that there's yeah that when you have poor mental health, you can't you can't fulfill any of your roles happily. And I think that's, that's awful. I, I, it is awful. And I, I was speaking to somebody um, a couple of months back who works within the healthcare system, within maternity care. And she said something, and I'll put trigger warning now um, before I go into it, but it really rocked me to the core and it goes into what you're saying about mental health and she'll just basically say you know when a woman is uh, giving birth and she maybe she has a stillbirth or so forth they the baby is taken out and basically put in like a cupboard they don't even have like the like specialist morgues and put in a cupboard and 
often, you know, that woman is still on the ward next to other women who are giving birth. And their baby is like, if you say, where's my baby? There's like a box room and you're literally you can see where your your dead baby's at. And these healthcare professionals and maternity staff mm. have to deal with that. And then next. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think there was one hospital, um, I believe, that was campaigning to be able to have like a proper type of um oh, the cold not cops. morgue. Where, yeah. where do you put the I've forgotten the you know the kind of cold fridges? The co- they have cold cots, don't they? Yeah, but in some of these hospitals, in London, they don't. Like literally, the baby is just put there. Like that's it. Um, and they were campaigning in some of these hospitals to get more money so that they could actually have if it's cold cots or whatever it is to store these babies in a in a human way, but also away from the mothers um, and and the and the mid- midwife. But the the midwife that was talking to me or the maternity um, specialist that was talking to me was just saying that you know imagine you see that at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and there's no kind of therapy, there's nothing to support. Um, the staff when there's a loss or there's a trauma and it's like, okay, next. Okay, next. Mm, okay, next. Be okay. Deal with um, it. And Do your job. It, deal with it. Um, and so you might be having flashbacks on that experience at 10 and you're treating somebody else at two and they may say to you, oh, okay, well, you know, I want this kind of care or I want that kind of care, but you're... How can you think about personalised care when maybe the other lady had said that earlier on and she'd lost her baby? And now you're saying that, if that makes sense. And even though you're an individual, those things can often sit down in the in the staff's mind. And it really made me look at things mm-hmm. in a completely different perspective because it's not something that I would have normally thought about. But it's, again, when you're talking about mental health, what support and and, 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 and wellness and and or form for the staff themselves to talk about these issues. Is there anything happening? Because mm. if there's not, then you can understand how for many of us yeah. you would get worse <laughs> maternity care because your mental health definitely would be impacted if 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 you're seeing these kind of things on a on a daily basis or weekly basis or even mom, me, I I would be reflecting on that five years later and I know just yeah, because of my yeah. personality. Like oh, you definitely nice, would be impacted. Mm. No. Well, Agnes, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for all of the work that you're doing. Um, the incentives that you, you have you know, created are just so brilliant. And obviously we are so thrilled to have been able to watch Glow Mama grow and, and be as involved as we have. And we wish you all the best. And yeah, we'd love to collaborate again. And just let us know what, what we can do to help you ha- amplify your voice and, um, and your projects. Thank you so much. And I feel like I just need to end on something a bit more positive because I feel like that was a lot, even as I've just uh, spoken. Um, I just, <laughs> I think for me, what I want to say is I feel like even with all these challenges that are happening, there are so many wins and there's so much, you know, social media has been such an equaliser and social media has been such a, a kind of space where we can readdress these issues. Like think about 20 mm-hmm. years ago, where would we have these kind of conversations how would we meet and be able to even like Bex and Laura I know how you guys met you know via social media and and via these different platforms so even with all these kind of um challenges that we're all experiencing in different degrees 
I think the positive that we can take away is that because of the tools that are now available to us, we can collaborate and we can be part of that change and we can make a difference. Um, And I'm just really, really grateful and honoured to all of the people that have supported Glow Mama, um, Global Black Maternal Health, um, and even just like spaces like, like the podcast now, you know, allowing, you know, us to have these kind of conversations and look at what can be done and mm-hmm. how as a community, when I say community, I mean like now as a human race, you know, not not, yeah. not like even in terms of um, kind of different ethnicities as how we can all come together collaboratively to support one another where we're at in, 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 in different in different areas. So I, I, I do want people to really understand that we're at a stage as an opportunity we're at the stage where there's so much opportunity and we're not at a stage where there's just helplessness we're having these conversations Mm. as challenging and as difficult as they may be because that is part of the recovery and then the change that can come about it's good things happening well thank you so much agnes keep in touch won't you and chat to you soon